Hi everyone, welcome to Diamond Gems with Avi Kravitz where I talk to members of the diamond industry and lovers of diamonds and jewelry to tell the story of the diamond market, sharing our experiences, learning from each other and understanding what diamonds truly mean to each of us. We're all different and so are our diamonds. Let's celebrate that because stories apply to everyone in the diamond market and our ability to grow as individuals, as businesses, and as an industry depends largely on the way we reveal those hidden gems. I could not have asked for better guests for the inaugural episode of the podcast than Desmond Ritsuma and Robin Beber, the co-founders of OC Gems, a startup manufacturing company based in Kimberley, South Africa. Desmond and Robin embody all that South Africa aspires to in its beneficiation program with a strong entrepreneurial spirit and inspiring stories that brought them into the diamond industry in the first place. I loved spending time with them, seeing their project on location, learning about their backgrounds and their plans for the future. I found their story to be truly inspiring and I'm sure you will too. So please enjoy my conversation with Desmond and Robin. Okay, welcome everyone. I'm so excited to be on location in Kimberley with Desmond Ratsuma and Robin Sibusisu Abebe. <laughs> Sorry for my hesitation, <laughs> Robin and Desmond, but it's so great to have you guys. And um, we've spent the morning together. You showed me around uh, the Kimberley Diamond and Jewelry Incubator, um, showed me the academy that we're going to talk about. And of course, OC Gems, which is your baby, which is your company that you've established a number of years ago. And as we're watching grow. And so welcome to Desmond. It's a pleasure to, to, to be with you, Avi. Welcome to Kimberley on a cold uh, Monday morning. And uh, yeah, we're excited to, to be with you on the podcast today. That's great. Um, it is a pretty cold Monday morning in Kimberley. I think I picked the, <laughs> the, the coldest week of the year to be here. But um, Robin, it's so great to see you again as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, we're excited to be on your first podcast. So. Thank you for the honor and uh, thank you for coming all the way out to, to Kimberley, South Africa. Yeah, well, either you're guinea pigs or you're pioneers. <laughs> on, on, so, so I appreciate um, I appreciate it anyway. And I met you guys in 2019 in at the Las Vegas shows um, where I came past your booth and it was sort of this fledgling South African company that was in Vegas at the time. And a lot happened in the interim. Um, of course, we had COVID, but for the company itself, um, it seems like you guys are in a new phase of development. But before we get into that, um, Desmond, why don't you give us a bit about your background personally and how you came into the diamond industry? Yeah, um, it's, been, it's been a very in interesting journey getting to where we are today. And I must say that over the years, for me personally, it has been evident that, you know, um, diamonds are something that can pull you. And um, they pulled me to, to Kimberley for the past 13 years. But um, grew up aspiring to be an accountant. And um, when I got to high school, um, the school didn't um, have enough textbook for commercial subjects. And then um, upon completing my uh, metric, I wanted to become an, a, a lawyer. And I must say that um, without boosting, I was a, I was a smart kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're a smart adult. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I passed my metric 
pretty pretty well and then um i went to apply at um one of the south african um, universities at that time i needed about three thousand rents to register to study law but um unfortunately um the money was not there and then um, that's when I decided to take matters into my own hands. Trust me, first job I was um, at the age of 13, picking oranges for um, a local um, distributor in the village. And then upon completing my metric, I became a car park attendant at the, at the complex for about a year or so. And then um, from there, I got a call to say that um, there is applications open to become a diamond cutter. But I must say that from a very young age, I was fascinated by diamonds. I used to think, however, that um, the way diamonds are set onto a piece of jewelry, that's how they are mined. <laughs> so um, <laughs> when I got an opportunity to really understand how they come to life as far as the polishing is concerned, I was excited about um, the opportunity. And luckily for me, it was a very, very competitive um, environment in a sense that I remember we were about 214 learners and um, the company was only looking at employing about 20 learners of the 214 which is about less than 10 percent hmm. and um, seven months into the training program I made it to cut and polish um, gem diamonds for the international market or for jewelry um, use and then I never looked back. It was, you know, growth after growth within um, three years. I was already um, a supervisor in, in the factory. And yeah, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, and one that you can be proud of. And, and before we get into your leap into entrepreneurship, there is the other side of the partnership, which is Robin. And, and so, Robin, how did you come to the diamond industry? I think it was a, a bit of a different path to <laughs> the Desmond's, right? No, that you're very correct in that. Um, so for myself, finished um, high school in 2012. Uh, sort of wanted to travel to America, study at the university in America, chase the American dream. Uh, I didn't know exactly what I was going to go study, but, you know, <laughs> I had my eyes set going there and my parents weren't uh, fond of that idea. They wanted me to come study in South Africa, uh, of which I rebelled and I didn't apply to any university in South Africa, but they found out uh, quite late uh, that <laughs> I didn't put any applications. But long story short, um, results come out, I didn't do too well, and the odds of me getting into an American university uh, didn't look likely. So. My dad then heard about the Kimberley International Diamond and Jewelry Academy and said, you know what, while you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, take a gap year, uh, go to Kimberley, South Africa and, and study diamonds. So diamonds weren't part of the plan uh, initially. Uh -huh. You know, it was sort of like, okay, I don't want to go back to high school to repeat. Let me let me take dad's plan and travel to Kimberley. And that's where I met uh, Desmond at, at the Kimberley International Diamond Year Academy. So what became a gap year and a way to figure out what to do with your life, um, the industry kind of bit, right? No, 100%, 100%, because I'd also seen, uh, the only thing I knew about diamonds was in rap music, you know. I loved, <laughs> I grew up watching those music videos. I always, I want, I owned some grills at some point, which my parents didn't know about. Do um, <laughs> you, know, I, I you, st you still have them? No, no, they got them somewhere. <laughs> Were they real diamonds? <laughs> it must have been cubic zirconia when I think of it now. At the time, I thought it was diamonds, but, um, you know, they started falling off bit by bit. But, you know, when I came here and I understood, oh, there's actually a rough diamond. There's, there's planning behind this. They get mined. Just looking at that whole journey, I became fascinated. And um, surprisingly, 
in high school, my uh, teachers used to tell my parents of a potential to do better. <laughs> and when I came here, you know, I think throughout the year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's one have to check the record. I think 80% was my lowest, 80, 75%. Um, and then I thought, man, this is where this, this is where you're supposed you know? to be. <laughs> well, well a, a number of things strike me about both of your stories, but what, what stands out for me um, from an industry point of view is your impressions of diamonds and what you came to understand was the product that there was much more complex and interesting, I think, journey that uh, a diamond undertakes before it gets to that consumer. <laughs> so, so Desmond, um, Ro- Robin mentioned that the two of you met at the academy. What was the set up and what was your role at the academy? The academy is the partnership between DPS and um, the provincial government of Northern Cape and my role was an instructor or um, a trainer so I was more involved on the practical side of of the training which involves you know um, heavily technical skills whereby you need to cut and polish and to a certain um, standard. Okay and so you were an instructor and so at what point in the journey did the idea for OC Gems develop? So we we met in in 2013 and um, Robin was one of the 30 students in the third year of the academy at that time and prior to that i think um the the, the academy has seen um 100 plus students that pass through but i personally always had an interest in the diamond business and um the reason i'm saying that is because um in 2012 i had an opportunity to be employed with one of um, reputable organizations in in the country as an employee but um, I remember one of the questions in the interview was, where do I see myself in the next five years? I said, unfortunately, starting my own business. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. So um, <laughs> It's nothing you have to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time, the, the, the idea to start the business was always there in my mind. But um, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. <laughs> and I think that's where I saw the need to um, bring, you know, other people like-minded on board and embark on the chain. And with the, the concept started around 2014, and um, we officially registered the business early, early 2015. Amazing. So once you had entered the the industry as an academy student, did you always have the the business side of things in mind, um, Robin? I did, but it was more uh, in the far future, if I can say that. <laughs> right. Um, because I think my, my sort of plan was, you know, climb a corporate ladder somewhere, and then after that, establish a business. And I remember 2014, my, uh, Desmond and myself uh, approached my dad. He was visiting Kimberley at the time. And then we told him, you know, we, we want to start a business uh, and go into the industry. And uh, his advice was slow down, uh, go look for a job, <laughs> you know, learn the uh-huh. industry. And then from there, you can start the business. But we, we clearly didn't um, take the advice. Um, but yeah. Well, well, I think in hindsight, you would probably agree with some aspect of that, that there has been this sort of learning curve. But what what I think might be interesting for our listeners out there is the, the beneficiation element of it, because very few people um, sort of associate South Africa as a vibrant cu- cutting and polishing center. And I think Kimberley itself as well, that um, it's it's got this rich history about it. But uh, I think people are, might be surprised to learn that there is at least initiative to create 
diamond-related activities still in the city and, and certainly in, in the broader South African sense. Um, and so just in those few hours that I've spent with you, uh, th- that's been something that I've learned today. H- how do you see the, the industry in Kimberley itself? Um, is it reaching its full potential? It seems like there's a, there is support and, and infrastructure f- to build an industry here. And so how do you see the activity that goes on here and, and also your role? Um, because there's been, it seems that uh, to me that you, you're playing um, at least as a very effective spokesperson for the city and the industry here. Yeah, I think um, that comes also with a sense of gratitude given the fact that if it wasn't the support and the infrastructure that, you know, um, we've seen the private sector, including your lack of DBS and, um, you know, the government through the incubator um, providing the platforms for small businesses to really get an opportunity to um, establish themselves in a very capital-intense um, industry. I think that's where my element of being a spokesperson um, comes from. <laughs> but, um, but there's been a very um, evident efforts that, you know, like I said, to say the private sector and the government has put initiative into um, trying to boost the, the beneficiation and I think they still um, a lot that can be achieved as, as, as long as we're going to see um, more entrepreneurs coming into the space. And I mean, um, if you look at, for example, just a one-man um, factory, fully-fledged factory, um, we recently did a quotation um, and it's coming to close to about a million rents. And if you have an entrepreneur that aspires to be a, a diamondier and they don't have a million rents and the incubator is not there, then their, their dream can die without even coming to existence for a start. Well, we, we kind of skipped this part, but so how did you um, benefit from the incubator? It seems that the, the, the incubator was very central to um, enabling the two of you to establish OC Gems. So maybe explain on what level. Was it, a, was it a funding level? Was it a matter of location and infrastructure that you had access to? Yes. Um, so we always had a dream um, and um, when the incubator was launched, um, for us it was a monument um, moment in a sense that um, we had an opportunity to start gathering all the paperwork um, to, to apply for, for a license because um, one of the requirements for applying for a license that will enable you to trade um, is infrastructure to make sure that um, you've got um, the facility that is got adequate equipment and tools for you to be able to trade. So when that came, uh, when the incubator was launched, um, it was a stepping stone for us and that's when we applied for, for a license and um, from there we were able to start knocking on doors knowing that we are not just a legally registered entity but we are also a compliant um, entity given the fact that now we've got um, a license and um, that was you know a sort of breakthrough for us and funny enough we were the first clients in the, in the incubator. Mm-hmm. And hence your role as a spokesperson, um, because yeah. you guys showed me your plans and the space that you've been allocated for a future factory. That's quite impressive. And it's almost you could hear the, the buzz of the cutting wheel in the future, you know, in the empty space that, um, that is there at the moment. But it's very exciting. And it really is uh, an indication that there is this feeder system, um, you know, from the academy through the incubator program. Um, into an independent business that you've managed to benefit from. But I think you really should take more of the credit for yourselves because there is that entrepreneurial drive that is required with it. 
so t- so tell me, um, Robin, a bit about um, OC Gems. What is the business model? My understanding is that you have both B2B and you also work a bit in, in the B2C space. Yes, that's correct. But primarily, we're a B2B business, um, buying rough, uh, manufacturing, that's selling to jewelry retailers, jewelry manufacturers. Uh, and then a small part of our business is actually B2C, uh, focusing on the local market, uh, working together with jewelry designers and manufacturers. And is that within the South African context or are you working more on international sort of scale? I'd say on the B2B, our focus is more on the international side. Um, and then on the B2C, it's more on the local side. Uh, but I think also through social media, we've seen B2C reach parts of the world uh, we didn't think. So, you know, we've clients uh, call us in from the UK, Australia. Uh, the USA and order uh, custom engagement rings from us there. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've been following you on social media and, and I love what you guys are doing. And uh, maybe you can talk to this um, a bit, the, you know, how you're able to use social media to tell the story of um, OC Gems, of Kimberly itself, to reach a new clientele. So I'd say, um, you know, starting out in the business, this was one of the toughest lessons we learned. Uh, we were trying to target everyone and we were trying to be everything to everyone. Um, and we learned that, yeah, it, it, that wasn't possible. <laughs> right. yeah, and I think we went on a journey of trying to discover, okay, who are we as OC Gems? Uh, what do we envision for the future? What are our values? Um, and then looking for the target audience that we can also speak to. Um, that aligns with the same value and vision that we had. So it's been that journey, um, even on social media when we started, I think we were mass marketing. I'm not really sure who we were targeting, but we started to learn to say, okay, this is who we are, this is who we stand for. Uh, these are the type of clients that we're looking for. And I think, you know, the world's changed today. Um, I think as a manufacturer, 10, 15 years ago, um, you could be silent and not on social media, maybe just have a website. Mm. But when you look at the Gen Z and millennials of today, the way they do research, uh, the way they want to know about the product, the company that's producing the product, uh, what that company stands for, it's become crucial and important. So we use social media as a way to be transparent, to say this is who we are, this is the journey we're on. Um, come join us, be part of our journey. If, if you're buying a product from us, we love that, that's great. But if you just want to form part of our community, uh, that's also great. And so what role does Kimberly play in that narrative? Is there an added value that you're a Kimberly-based company, that you're um, young black South Africans that are able to create a South African product? But, um, not only a South African product, but a Kimberly product. I think uh, that, yeah. to me that sounds very powerful. No, I understand. I think Kimberly is crucial uh, when it comes to the diamond industry itself. Wherever you go, if you mention the name, Kimberly, you know, time has come up. And uh, even for us, uh, it's been an opportunity just to even educate our clients on the history of Kimberly, the history that diamonds have played, um, and the role that diamonds are playing today. Um, I think Kimberly's been known as a mining town, um, and it's still known as a, as, a, as a mining space. But now you see uh, a different side of it where there's beneficiation happening. Uh, there's diamond cutting and polishing businesses, there's jewelry manufacturing businesses. So ideally, you know, you come to Kimberley, you learn about the history at the big hall, uh, maybe you pop in by the center here, you see the process of how a diamond uh, is cut and polished from start to finish. Uh, you see the jewelry manufacturing and, you know, international tourists, you might decide to make a purchase there, there and there. Right. Uh, it's something that 
you will take as a as a souvenir to say, wow, I was in the Diamond City. Not only did I learn the history, but I got to see how the product is is, is manufactured from start to finish. Yeah, it's it's very powerful, and and especially in today's market where source verification is playing an increasingly important role in the in the story that retailers are telling. Um, about their diamond. Uh, I think you guys have a unique opportunity um, being a Kimberley-based company that you can tap into that history. And I think you're doing that so effectively and beautifully um, on social media, at least from what I see, and in working with your clients. Um, Desmond, when you look at the opportunities for South African entrepreneurs, having gone through the process that you have, what are the opportunities that you see for young entrepreneurs that might consider the diamond industry? Yes, opportunities are, are there. We've seen um, establishment of organizations that are collectively working together in forging the growth of um, beneficiation. And um, over over the ca- past couple of years, we've seen um, you know a, a very significant growth, especially from historically disadvantaged um, South Africans coming into the beneficiation um, space, especially around diamonds. But I think um, it is also important for aspiring entrepreneurs to also understand that, um, number one, um, this is not a quick a, a get rich quick um, type of thing because one of the things that I also noticed for ourselves was that you know you come into the trade number one you need to have a learning mind to understand that first you need to learn the trade and grow and then from there then that's when um, you can also start seeing significant improvement and I'm saying this because um, today we're sitting here doing a podcast someone tomorrow might look at the podcast and think that this is something that is happening today and we started the business yesterday <laughs> so it, it takes time but opportunities are there and um, I think it was Jeff Bezos that says you must be patient building a business and um, when the wave comes make sure that you ride it and um, yeah, opportunities are out there and um, entrepreneurs need to have um, the will to, to first learn and then success will come. Mm. Well, let me ask you, at your stage of the journey, what is your biggest challenge? Um, I would say some of the challenges that we are facing at this stage is to a certain degree still access to consistent uh, market in a sense that um, we are able to make sales here and there. But if you are going to have a, a sustainable business model, you need to know to say, okay, on a monthly basis, this is how much I'm offloading to this particular company. Um, and that's why, as Robin mentioned earlier on, to say that um, 80% of our, of our business model is focused on B2B because we understand that we are not very well versed in the retail aspect of the value chain. So that's where we are really looking for partnership for us to be able to work with um, possibly a jewelry manufacturer or a jewelry um, retailer so that after manufacturing the diamonds, then we can sell to the market through our distribution partners. Mm. I thought you were going to say a consistent supply of rough, actually, but I prefer your answer because I think once you have that consistent customer base, there's ways to find the rough. I, I, I say that because... Um, Generally, when I speak to manufacturers, they tend to look at the supply side of the market as their biggest challenge. 
Um, but I think I think you hit the nail on the head that especially as a developing company that uh, you got to you got to focus on demand. Um, I think that would be the a message to the industry as a whole. We tend to be obsessed with the supply side and not focused enough on stimulating um, extra demand. Um, Robin. Uh, maybe a simple question: What does OC Gems stand for? Oh, Is there a story behind <laughs> that? <laughs> so the full name actually is Alt Class Crystallized Gems. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, you know, like you said, experience experience pays and experience counts. Because when we were in Vegas, um, when people came to our booth, they were confused to say, um, "Are you a natural?" A diamond cutting and polishing company or your synthetic diamond cutting and because of the word crystallized because of the word crystallized uh-huh. um, and then also gems are you only dealing in diamonds or are you also you know dealing in other gems so immediately from there when you came back from where you said okay we got to do something about this name either lose <laughs> it completely or shorten it right um, and yeah. then we, we just started saying oc gems and then that's that caught on it, it certainly has a better ring to it. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it rolls off the tongue much yeah. easier. Um, great. Thank you for sharing that. So um, before we close up, I, I have a few sort of rapid fire questions that I'm going to ask both of you. So maybe we'll start with, with you, Robin. Um, the first one being, what, what do diamonds mean to you? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. But um, <laughs> I'd say what they mean to me and what they've represented is... Uh, just the way I came into the industry where I was in a place where um, you know people around me told me I've got potential um, but you know there's a few things that need to be worked out for you to reach um, that, that that full potential so sitting on the bench seeing how uh, a rough stone can be transformed uh, into a polished product that that already it, it tied into my life um, 100% so for me, I'd say if I, if I was to use one word, um, diamonds represent transformation. That's great. Um, I, I was going to say the metaphor is that you are the rough gem that has been po- <laughs> polished yeah. into, but maybe I'm being too obvious here. <laughs> How about for you, Desmond? What, what do diamonds mean to you? For me, I would say diamonds mean something that is special and it needs to be bring into life. For example, you can have... Um, a diamond in whatever quality but um, if you've got um, someone that have got the passion for it they will do whatever it takes to make sure that they bring something special out of it and um, throughout my journey in the diamond industry for the past 18 years I've seen that over and over again and one particular stone that um, stand out for me was in my early days in the diamond industry it was um, about just over seven carat in, in rough. It was not in a good state when it was rough, but something that came out of it when it was polished to a certain degree, I couldn't believe. But um, because I know what can happen with the with the diamond, I ended up um, believing it. So for me, that what um, diamond means for me. Hmm. Well, that sort of led me to my my next question, which is: Do you have a favorite diamond or piece that you've worked on? You may have answered that question already, or do you have another piece that um, sticks out in your memory? Well, again, in the very early um, stages of, of of my career, the head office of the company I used to work for, I uh, in Joburg, and there was a particular stone that land was looking for, and the stone needed to be brilliant yet and there was about an hour left before the closing of the business 
on Friday and I was given the stone and I was told to put away the stone I was working on and work on that particular stone and I was told that there's a courier that needs to come and pick it up and it must be delivered in, in Joburg and just 10 minutes before the courier arrived I finished the stone and I was quite proud of myself. Wow, it, it sounds like a reality TV show where you, you had 10 minutes before the piece was sent to the runway type of thing. <laughs> but it's a great story. Um, how about for you, Robin? Do, do you have a, a favorite um, piece or experience that you've had in the industry? Yeah, there's um, one of the first stones we produced, early days. Um, it was a radiant cut, about 0.45 uh, VVS1. The color was either D or E. Uh, we sat with that stone in our safe, I think, for almost two years. Um, I didn't want to sell it personally. <laughs> it was it was one of those beautiful stones that you, when every time I looked at it, um, just the color. When when you looked at it, it was so beautiful. And the day we saw that, uh, my heart was sore. And now when I see a radiant out there, it just takes me back um, to that stone. So uh, the, uh, the the shape now has a piece of you. It does. Um, it's it great. Um, great, this has been such an enjoyable discussion and, and to learn about your backgrounds and get to know you guys both uh, a bit more, it's been such a pleasure. Is there anything else that you want to say to our audience? Um, is there any uh, message that you want to give to the diamond world? I think, um, yeah, another. I'll, I'll, I'll use another famous quote, which is, uh, it takes a, a village to, to raise a child and um, I think that's OCGM's journey. You know, um, we haven't done this alone. It's been a lot of helping hands, uh, individuals, organizations that have come by our side. And I think, you know, just speaking about um, entrepreneurs out there or upcoming entrepreneurs, I'd say one of the key things, uh, which I think has remained consistent in the industry is uh, relationships. You know, building relationships, working with others, because um, that then builds credibility. Um, and then, you know, in, in tough times, you want people who walk with you and help you get through them. In good times, uh, you're able to share the wealth, you know, and then and, and bring others up. So that would be my message um, to anyone out there who's building uh, within the space. Yeah. Um, can you top that, Desmond? That was pretty good, <laughs> Robin. I, I would add to that that it seems to me that you guys are now taking that message and giving back to your community and, and sort of paying it forward. And from my experience today, that seems to be the case. Yes, yes. It, it is the bigger picture. And I think um, one of the main reasons is understanding that we are first-generation diamonds ourselves. And for the past um, eight years, it has been very evident that we're not going to be able to make it and it is through the support of you know the diamond community and other stakeholders outside the diamond um, community that welcomed us and opened their doors and let us in and went out of their ways to help us and guide us and point us in the in the right direction and i think more than anything else we cannot wait for the day whereby we also do that for the upcoming diamond years and I think um, the most important thing for us today, sitting with you here today, coming all the way from, from Israel, um, we shouldn't forget to express our, our gratitude for everyone that contributed towards us getting here today. Well, thank you. It's mutual and it's certainly been an enjoyable morning. And I think back to our first meeting in 2019 in Vegas, 
And I, I'm so proud to see the developments and the journey that you guys have been on. You may not see it because you're in the day to day, but I can certainly see the growth and it's really wonderful to see. And uh, I can't wait to see what's next for you guys. So thank you for being my guinea pigs on, <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. Well, one last uh, present for you. Uh, thank you for coming really? all the way to Kimberley. Janine will just bring it over. But it's 100% uh, um, natural honey. Oh, uh, you're kidding. Lovely. That's amazing. So you enjoy that. And Thank you so much. We leave you wow. with a bit of a taste of Kimberley. Oh, nice. Not only diamonds, but honey too. I love honey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Pleasure. you. Thank you, guys. It was really unnecessary. Um, I feel like I was actually thinking, you know, I should bring you a gift, <laughs> if anything. But uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. And thanks for an engaging and enjoyable discussion. And uh, as I said, we'll, we're keeping an eye on you. Before we go, do you want to just mention your social media accounts that people can follow you? How do people reach out to you if they, if they want to? So uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, newly on TikTok, uh, all OC gems. Um, and then uh, our website, www.ocgems.co.za. Okay, great. Well, I hope that uh, this gives you a boost. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see if it does. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us and thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Diamond Gems with Avi Kravitz. Please check out my website, avikravitz.com, for more information on how you and your brand can tell your diamond story. Contact me for advertising opportunities, subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Instagram and TikTok, and connect with me on LinkedIn, all under the ticker Avi Kravitz. And subscribe to my newsletter where I share my insights about the diamond market, along with other useful tidbits that I come across. Let's share our experiences we're lucky enough to have in this incredible industry of ours, because stories apply to everyone in the diamond market.